This episode contains explicit language. Welcome to Mom and Dad are Fighting, Slate's parenting podcast for Thursday, June 23rd, the Carpooling with the Enemy edition. I'm Jamila Lemieux, a writer, contributor to Slate's Care and Feeding parenting column, and mom to Naima, who is nine and we live in Los Angeles. I'm Elizabeth Newcamp. I write the homeschool and family travel blog, Dutch Dutch Goose. I'm the mom to three littles, Henry, who's 10, Oliver, who's eight, and Teddy, who's five. We live in Colorado Springs, Colorado. I'm Zach Rosen. I make a podcast called The Best Advice Show. And I am a dad to Noah, who's four, and Ami, who's one. We live in Detroit. We've got a carpooling conundrum today, you guys. Our letter writer relies on splitting the long school drive with another parent, which should be great. But it turns out that the girl they're carpooling with isn't nice to her daughter. What should she do? And then on Slate Plus, we're going to talk about the best ways to keep your kids entertained on road trips. Here's a sneak peek of what you'll hear if you have Slate Plus. You can kind of like integrate it into I Spy, like, look... There's a building over there. Where? Oh, my God. There's a bear up there. You know, just like do like really silly stuff. I think it's mind expanding. It's fun. Everyone can play. And it's a great little uh, gap activity. If you want a weekly bonus segment from us and your other Slate favorites, consider signing up for Slate Plus. You'll also get to listen ad free and get unlimited access to the Slate website. To sign up now, go to slate.com slash mom and dad plus. Again, that's slate.com slash mom and dad plus. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll dive into triumphs and fails. We're back. We thought it would be fun this week if we dove into our archives and relive some epic summer triumphs and fails from our past. Zach, you want to go first? I was going to talk about my own childhood. We'll call it a failure, but it's not a failure. That's stigmatizing. This is just a moment in time from when I first went to camp. I went to sleepover camp young, I think six years old. I think I was actually pretty excited going. I didn't have a lot of anxiety. I think I was I was ready. A lot of my friends were in my cabin with me. And I only went for 10 days. So it was like a, a mini session. And I remember... Only. It's a yeah, long time. It is a long days. time. You're right. For a six-year-old, you're right. It may have even been seven, but I think it was 10. I'm pretty sure it was 10. And I have this such a distinct visceral memory of what I'm about to tell you. This is, you know, 30 plus years ago. I went to camp with um, an art, like a green army blanket as my comforter. And like the first or second day of camp, I wake up and it's wet. It smells like pee, but I'm six and I don't, I can't even put it together. Like I'm not a bedwetter. And it's, it's like, what is that smell? Why is it wet? But I'm six. I'm like, uh, I don't know. And I just like forget about it and spend the next week with like a, a piss, a piss, not soaked because it dries, but a piss smelling blanket that I can smell right now. I'm telling you, I can, I can smell it right now. I, I could tell you where my bed was in the cabin. It was second from the door on the left. At what point did you, do you realize that you've peed the bed though? Like, is this like years later? It could have been years. And what I also like am, am thinking about um, in retrospect is like my counselor's are kids. I don't know. At, at the time, you know, I think, oh, they're these, like, uh, these massive adults, but they're like 15 and 16-year-olds. They're not going around and doing, like, smell checks. I guess it wasn't overwhelming enough to know. So, like, they didn't come in and be like, oh, we're going to take care of this. We're going to take this to the, you know, to the laundry machine. I just, like, slept and pee for a week. My mom may have been the one to be like, Zach, like, what what happened when I gave her my blanket a week later? But when I think about summer, when I think about camp, when I think about early memories, my wet bed is is what I think of 
So I don't want to call it a failure because kids, we wet, we wet the bed, kids. It's a memory. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Oh, no. That's both hysterical and also I'm sorry. I used to work as a camp counselor, so I definitely, like, as an adult now, I think all the time, like, I was a child. You left your kids <laughs> with me in Washington, D.C., and I was a child. <laughs> it's, like, amazing that you got your child back. <laughs> I'm going to have to get over that eventually and send my kids to, to overnight camp. Okay, mine also relates to... um to excrement but not mine we uh our first trip with henry he was like six weeks old and we (laughs) decided we had to move from california actually out here to colorado and we decided (laughs) because we didn't know anything about having a baby that we would like hit all the national parks between (laughs) colorado and here with this baby and um i also had had a um vaginal birth that left me quite a mess and so I don't know what I was thinking I like thought we were going to go hiking none of that happened we did manage to like see some of the parks but we were in Bryce Canyon and this lovely family had stopped us and asked if they could take a picture of Jeff and I and our new baby and I got Henry out of his little carrier and I turned him around and I'm holding him on this like tree stump and he just poops that newborn poop everywhere everywhere and they take this great we have this lovely family photo and then i just remember looking down and now like he is covered in breastfed poop i am covered in breastfed poop which the good news of that is that it it cleans up quite easily except i didn't have like i didn't have any of the things i i we had run out of wipes and i we were bryce canyon is not near anything so jeff's like okay we we strip henry down we put him in um in a um, swaddler, just like he's naked in this swaddler. I think I got a new diaper on him. And he's like, we'll drive to the hotel. So we drive. It's like, you know, 30 minutes out of the park to the only hotel. Uh, we get there. They're like, your room's not ready. <laughs> I'm like, this is not an option. And we're like debating. Do we like tell this again, teen at the front desk, like, we need a any room. We need a bathtub. We need a bathtub. We need a sink. We need something to clean this child and this mom up. We eventually do tell them that. And I am just like cleaning this mess. I don't, again, I don't know what I'm doing. I like, don't really have the diaper bag packed properly. It was, I just remember thinking like, we will never travel or do anything again. (laughs) Really what the, the message there, I think all the time, at least my baby's not naked in the back of the car and we can't find a bathtub. (laughs) I'm like, we hit rock bottom so early that everything from there on, (laughs) but every summer trip, I, I also think that's why I overpack the minivan. Uh, is that when we're getting ready for a trip, I just think I'm never going to be, you know, not prepared in the middle of Bryce Canyon (laughs) for any, any event that happens. So, you know, if I see you on vacation and I give you something from my car, it is because I genuinely am, am empathizing and wish that some other mom had been like, here are some wipes. Here is what you do in this situation. Like, this is not the end of the world, you know? Um, yes, we survived though. And now look at how much you've traveled since then. Well, yeah, I've been pooped on in Bryce Canyon. What else? I mean, you know, bottom. <laughs> Explaining <laughs> to the teen that you just need a sink to clean yourself and your baby. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, I just needed to not smell like poop. That's all I'm saying. Jamila, how about you? Summer of 1996. I It was the summer I turned 12. I worked uh, between 6th and 7th grade. I was a junior counselor at an after at a day camp. 
Um, I was paid $5 a day. It was basically just transportation reimbursement. That was bus fare. But, you know, I got a check every two weeks for 50 bucks and my mom let me keep it. So that was great. So I felt like I had a job. And like there were other kids at the camp that were my age that were campers. But like the camp director just took like a special interest in me. And by me, like she had a crush on my dad. And so she gave me a job for the summer and I got to be responsible. And it was very cool um, and fun being a junior camp counselor. I got to feel like one of the big kids and, you know, help out keeping the camp going and stuff. And so there was like an end of the summer carnival of some sort and they needed somebody to sit in the dunk tank and I was like oh that sounds like fun cool and so I volunteer and then the day comes and then I get I see the tank and I'm kind of like wait and then I get in the seat and then I'm like hell no no, no way, no how. What a terrible idea. I'm going to just be thrown into water. I'm going to look crazy. Like, what was I thinking? Like, the fear that comes over me. And so, like, not only what I've, I like, particularly when I was younger, I'm better now because I dance and stuff, but I wasn't the most physical kid, you know? So I wasn't the kid who knew how to climb in and out of stuff really easily. I'm going to need some help, you know? So, like, not only did I, like, just decide on everybody like I'm not doing this I couldn't get out like I needed help getting out and I remember one of the counselors calling it a free willy moment and I felt so bad because I was so embarrassed but there was just no way there was no how so the fail was me saying that I would do it in the first place me not doing it was a triumph because I knew it was not for me I knew I did not have the composition to get you know repeatedly tossed into water um but yes I wish that I had come to that conclusion before I got physically in the dunk tank. Would you get in a dunk tank now? No! <laughs> no! Never! I wear fake eyelashes number one, so uh, <laughs> there's that on that. I just think there's, yeah, there's no way that you come out looking. Jeff, they do one at, at like the school picnic, you know, for the academy, and I just see everyone get in there and I just think you're absolutely right. You look dumb sitting there. You look dumb falling into the tank. <laughs> And you, you look win. worse trying to get out of the tank. <laughs> dirty ass tank. They're not clean. It's always dirty water. Oh, that's that's a very that's a cesspool of a of an experience. Yeah, that's that's not good. I'll I'll pass. Now, if there, I'm like I don't even know that there are goggles that would stay on my eyes because all I'm honestly just thinking about my eyelashes I'm like could I could I really just be like I'll just look a mess for these kids and I think the answer is no there's other ways to help the children <laughs> there's other ways to help the children I'll sell candy bars yeah, yeah. I won't be getting I'll sell in the, the tickets tank. to the dunk tank <laughs> I will throw the ball and get somebody else in the dunk tank exactly but I will not be getting in there myself Let's take another quick break, and when we come back, we'll get into today's listener question. All right, we're back. Let's hear this listener question. It's being read, as always, by the fabulous Shasha Leonard. Dear Mom and Dad are fighting. I'm a mother of a very happy and bubbly 10-year-old girl and a similarly happy and bubbly 5-year-old boy. We live in Ireland, and a few years ago, we moved from the city to the suburbs. Our daughter was so happy with her school that we kept her there, even though it's a 30-minute drive. 
We now carpool with the family who lives near us, and it's made a huge positive difference to my life, saving me time and money and making my work life much less stressful. However, my daughter and the other child, who used to be friends, are now not really getting along, at least when they're in the car. It feels very toxic. The other child only talks about things my daughter has gotten wrong or hasn't been invited to. When we approach the school, she races ahead and doesn't say goodbye or thank you. My daughter says she prefers it when it's just us, and she's finding it all wearing. But she knows that we have to do this for lots of reasons. We have two and a half more years at this school, and then she'll transfer to a local school. I should say that my daughter has lots of friends, both in and out of school, but she is in a small class and recently has said that the girls don't like to play with her and she feels excluded. What should I do? Ignore it? Talk to the other parents? Stop carpooling? Move schools? I think the last one is extreme, but some days I don't. It's not nice. I had a toxic carpool around this age, so it's possible I'm projecting. Thanks. Wish it didn't have to be this way. I was thinking about talking about like conflict resolution and like, but it's like this girl is the, this, this other kid is the problem. Your, your kid is fine. It sounds like they're being bullied. It, it really sucks to have to be in that confined space with someone who you feel is just not kind. And, um, it's not okay. And so I think the first thing to do is talk to the parent of this other child and just give them a sense of what's going on. You don't have to like point a finger in a really explicit way, but you can say, hey, notice our kids are not not very communicative and, and, and not talking very much. And there might be some, you know, some kind of issue. And just, I wonder what what the other kid's parent would say to this. Because you can't ignore this. A carpool is invaluable in terms of lightening the, the load of morning responsibilities. So I think it, it could get to the point where maybe you do pull out of the carpool. But I think it would be worth trying to just see if you can get anywhere with this. And it's not like these, these kids don't need to be friends. Like you don't need to be fr- friends with the people in your carpool. That's fine. But you also don't want an asshole in your car either. And I don't mean to call this other kid an asshole. But um it just sounds like she thinks she's too cool for school. Um, she's too cool for your daughter. And um, I don't like it. And I think she needs an attitude adjustment. But yeah, friendship shouldn't be the goal here. I think just like making sure that that your daughter doesn't feel like crap every morning um, is like the very least that, you, that um, you can strive for here. And I think that it's a realistic goal. Um, but yeah, you can't just let this fester. I want to get in this car and find out what's happening because like why dear letter writer are you letting this happen I guess <laughs> like are you saying something when this happens are you setting some carpool ground rules right like if I think it is okay as the carpool driver to say like hey what you're saying is not kind and we're only going to have kind words here or whatever that line needs to be. I mean, one, I definitely think you need to talk to the other parents. That's that's always like step one. I also because like, is it happening on their days too? 
and they they don't notice it or it doesn't happen because the daughter's there or, you know, if it is happening and then they're not saying anything to their own child, then maybe this is not a great carpool situation. But I, I do think that you need to say something and you also need to help your child speak up for herself. Like this is an opportunity in a very safe environment when you are there to be able to say, when you talk about the things I get wrong, I don't I don't really love it. Um, it really hurts my feelings. I, I those are all things that maybe need to be to be said. There's a a great book actually that Henry just finished called Growing Friendships: A Kid's Guide to Making and Keeping Friends. And it, again, I don't think there has to be a friendship here, but one of the things this this book addresses is kind of this idea of these people that are in our lives that we are forced to be with for different reasons. You sit by them on the bus, you are in an activity with them, whatever, they're your friends, right, who are engaging in this. I mean, it doesn't sound like this person is, this child is necessarily like coming at the the daughter, but creating a a bad environment. How do you stick up for yourself in, in those situations and still be kind and, and polite and model kind of what the, you know, how you want to be treated? The other thing I'm thinking is like maybe you guys just need an audiobook. Maybe like the on the way to and from school, <laughs> it's like we listen to this podcast. We don't need to engage in any conversation. We're just all gonna sit in our seats, listen to this shared thing, and get out of the car. Maybe you could even listen to like Where Should We Begin? Like Esther Perel's show, where she's a therapist trying to resolve conflict between couples, and she also has has another show where she's trying to resolve conflict between um like work associates. But like maybe you could just like passive aggressively play that as an idea i do want to say really quick elizabeth that um i would wait before saying something directly to the girl because it might make your daughter like mom i can't believe you said something so talk to your daughter first before you say the thing just to just to clarify but um sorry what were you gonna say you can also set rules though like in this car we don't at whatever your household rules are like i have enforced that in my car with other people you know um some of our best friends like my kids and their kids get super rowdy in the car and i just have rules about that and i just it doesn't matter who's in the car it's like in this car we don't x <laughs> like, like we just don't so whoever's doing it stop yeah jamila what do you think i agree with you both and i also you know it's definitely time for a conversation with this kid's parents and i think they need to understand how uncomfortable they've made your child feel and i would imagine that this is a situation that benefits them too and that you know they would hate to lose the carpool because that would mean five days of having to get their kids to school and so um you need their partnership in talking to their child about the way that they speak to your little one and i i agree that it'd be great to you know discourage talking in the car and put on a podcast when you do hear not nice comments you challenge them you know you can correct other people's children too not just your own but um I noticed that you mentioned that your child also feels somewhat left out at school. And I don't know if this girl is in her class and is a part of that or, if, you know, if in general your little one's just not having the easiest time connecting with classmates at this particular school. I think that you should also talk to the teacher, see what they've observed. The girls don't like to play with her. Why is that? Are there some cultural differences? Is she shy? Can she be a bit abrasive? I think you should try to figure out what exactly her school day looks like and what kind of, you know, issues she's having with the little girls. Is she being rejected or is she just not being sought out? 
you know, which are two different things, right? Like it's one thing to try and engage and play with kids and for them to say, we don't want to deal with you. And it's another, if you're just not as outgoing and bubbly at school as you are at home. And so kids are not necessarily coming up to you and saying, hey, stranger, let's play. But I definitely think that you should lean on you know, this other parent, the teacher, and, you know, perhaps parents of other children in the class, if you have communication with them for some support, because you really need to figure out how you can help her to have an easier time socially in general. So I think it's fine to even decide, like, look, we don't like carpool girl, you know, like she is somebody that we deal with. You will deal with people you don't like throughout your life. And, you know, that's just a part of life. So as long as you all can get through this ride respectfully, then it's not a big deal. But I don't think that, you know, it's it's one thing to have to deal with somebody you find less than pleasant in the morning. It's another to start your day off with that and then go into an environment where you don't feel welcome, you know, and, and for that to be the remainder of your day. So I, I think a really good look at what's going on with her at school is important right now. Yeah, I th- I think on that kind of thread of thinking too, like, I think evaluate whether moving schools makes some sense. Like you already are going to move to a local school in two, let's say two years at this point, right? You're going to finish out the school year. But in, in two years, you're going to move. Is there a chance that if she's not really clicking at school anymore, the carpool is kind of a nightmare. It's 30 minutes away. So I assume that that also means maybe you're not as plugged into the community as you once were. What is there a local school that eventually feeds into this local school you were going to move her to anyway? And and if that's an option, I just always think that we think of these things as like, well, we've gone to the school and we're going to go to the school until its conclusion. But if there's kind of a natural breaking point, this may be an opportunity to to do that switch now, make some new friends, and then when the local the I assume moving to a a middle school or grade school or however they organize it in Ireland, can go to essentially a feeder school now, make some friends and make that transition all together with this new group instead of in two years. I'm not saying that's a solution, but you pose it as sort of like, it's so extreme that we would leave this school. And I feel like maybe it's not that extreme. Like maybe the signals we're getting is that this is no longer a good fit for your daughter. Well, letter writer, we hope it doesn't have to be this way much longer and that things turn around for you soon. Please send us an update if you can. We love to hear them. Anyone else who has a letter can also shoot us a note at slate.com or send us a voice memo. You might even hear it on the show. You can send any other questions you have there as well. And that is it for our show. We'll be back in your feeds bright and early on Monday, so be sure to tune in. And while you're at it, please subscribe to the show and give us a rating and review on Apple or Spotify. This episode of Mom and Dad are Fighting is produced by Rosemary Belson and Jasmine Ellis. For Zach Rosen and Elizabeth Newcamp, I'm Jamila Lemieux. Thank you for listening. All right, Slate Plus listeners, let's keep going. You asked on Facebook how to keep the kids entertained on road trips. We have at least one person here who is an expert on that. So, Elizabeth, take us away. Yes, the person on Facebook is like looking specifically for audiobooks and other activities. Audiobooks are a wonderful choice. I think it completely depends on the age 
of your kids. I would recommend starting with any series that you already love or I mean, honestly, you can go to Pinterest and look up like thousands of ideas. I just actually was on my local library downloading <laughs> some audiobooks because we leave on a trip on Friday. And um, so I, uh, we're going to be doing The Land of Stories, which I'm very excited about and I have read, but the children have not listened to. We're also into right now pretty much everything that Stuart Gibbs has written. He wrote a series that is kind of based on this fun jungle, a zoo entertainment park, this kind of mystery and and then he has another series called Spy School and another one about space. And all three of my kids really enjoy those. I think there's also, you know, if you haven't done the audiobooks of Harry Potter, those are great. Another option is that your library likely has something called Playaway Kids. And these are audiobooks that come on little square like mini players with their own lanyard. And it's just that audiobook. And I love this because then each of the kids can pick what they want to listen to and listen to that independently with their headphones on. And then I also don't have to listen to it, but I'm not handing over the whole iPad, um, which sometimes I can lose control of in the car um, if that's an issue for you. So I, I think, you know, whatever your kids are into, find something, try it. The great thing is that like here in Colorado, I have um, the Libby app run through the through the library. And so even on the go, if a book's not working, I can just get a different audiobook. Um, so I, I think those are great. If, if you have really little kids, those Norwal and uh, Narwhal and Jelly books have an audio version and a bunch of things like Magic School Bus, all of those books also have audio um, uh Ver- audiobook versions that you can download. And so those are really more manageable for kids. But my number one thing in the car is a notebook and a pencil, guys. I mean, that that entertains the kids way longer than anything you buy. Yeah, my supplementary thing, you know, outside of audiobooks or podcasts is freestyling. Noah's like really into making up songs. Her mother is also, I think she got it from Shira. And so it's actually really fun. It's not gonna last for like hours but you don't want it to but as a good like thing to do like when she's you know bored of drawing and you know not wanting to listen to music or something just start freestyling you can kind of like integrate it into i spy like look there's a building over there where oh my god there's a bear up there you know just like do like really silly stuff i think it's mind expanding it's fun everyone can play and it's a great little uh gap activity we haven't done that in a while. Naeem and I used to do freestyle battles. I told her she was from Brooklyn. She had to represent. Um, so I would put on some instrumental beats and make her rap for me on car rides. Um, we haven't done a lot of road tripping, but I will say like um, something that doesn't really hold Naima's attention very much in the house that does in the car are activity books. So it could be crossword puzzles or, um, you know, mazes. Like, she really enjoys those things um, when we're in the car, uh, only in the car. They're fun for her. They sell them at the grocery store and at Target. Um, they have them for kids of all age levels, but they're surprisingly clutch in the car. I've also found that she will journal in the car. There's one that was made specifically for girls and it's got, you know, all these kind of fun prompts and places for you to color and places for you to reflect on things, you know, prompted journals as opposed to just a blank journal. But those work real for slightly older kids. My kids also will do the journaling and stuff that they won't do anywhere else. I don't know if it's because they're like buckled into their (laughs) their seat. The other thing I was going to suggest is... um, 
instead of like buying a car bingo or something, we similar to the freestyling, we let the kids draw the bingo cards, um, which then takes like twice as long. And there's all those like license plate games and things that that you can make up. I've recommended before the summer brain quest books. If you have kids old enough for that, my kids love to do those in, in the car. It comes with a little sticker map that they like. Oh, that's the other thing. Maps. Just give them a map. We've done that a bunch and they do all kinds of crazy stuff with them. <laughs> so sometimes, cause you know, at the travel centers, they can pick up maps and brochures and all that kind of fun stuff. Yeah. Like the, like even just trying to get them to follow along where you are on the trip is such like an old school fun thing novel at this point but i think that's a great idea just get them to fold it sometimes that <laughs> that can take hours <laughs> can take hours I, I never figured out how to do that we did once look back and henry's head was straight through the map <laughs> like we're not really sure he was just like wearing it we were like okay cool do you elizabeth have and zach this goes for you too because you got little ones have you all found a car proof snack that you like um for some as someone who desperately tries and fails but but somewhat succeeds like i don't want to have a mom car i've tried very hard not to have a car that is absolutely disgusting which is the condition of most parents regardless of what they've got going on in their lives how married how single how many children like if you are a parent your car is probably kind of disgusting and i've tried really hard to not have a disgusting car so that means limiting eating in the car but on a road trip obviously you can't do that so is there any snack that just works really well Apples, oranges, carrots, like your your fruits and vegetables work so well. And with the exception of berries are are not very messy. Um, so we do do that. I, I think for package stuff, I also, even though I do have a mom car and and I mean, I drive a minivan and it is I vacuum it like I think twice a week because I have a problem. Um, but anything that crumbles is an issue. So like any those the the Laura bars are big hits or cliff bars, like something like that, that is a whole piece. And um, Trader Joe's now has these like fruit buttons um, that are really great. And they just don't make like, you know, a mess. I think the big thing, though, is having a trash receptacle near the kids, because once I got I made them out of fabric, so it wasn't just like a, a you know plastic bag. But once they each had somewhere to put the trash, they put the trash. It was like amazing. <laughs> so I also try not to give them free range access to the snacks because I learned the hard way that that's a nightmare. Yeah, I mean, my car is trashed and I've kind of given up every couple months. Maybe I'll vacuum it. But in the meantime, yeah, there's there's applesauce and popcorn kernels. It's it's a disaster. I'm not one to answer this question. I did put a um, yoga mat, an old yoga mat. I cut it so that it fits in the floor. The first part when you get in and out of the van. And it's really nice because I can just like when, you know, flip it out. (laughs) The yoga mat itself is now gross, but it has a much nicer look. It's like fake clean. That's a great idea. But I think the garbage can idea is key here. You can just put it between the seats in the back. Yeah, something. I mean, and it could be a plastic bag. My kids just sort of ignored the plastic bag. But I, I, you, you can, of course, find them on Etsy or just buy. I've seen people buy the little desk ones with the fun little swinging lid and that fits in a cup holder. But I needed something that could hold heftier things and even when they break crayons and stuff now they throw it in there as opposed to just like throwing it on the floor like i said it's still not clean but it's better it's better but avoid all those like goldfish chips any of that don't don't do it in the car wait till you get to a picnic wait till you get to the picnic 
All right, Slate Plus listeners, thank you so much for your support. We'd love to hear your road trip stories. Feel free to send some over at slate.com. Otherwise, we ask you to join us on Monday for a regular show and Thursday for another bonus segment. Talk to you then. 